the idea with hysteria was that the olden people in ye olden days used to think that the uterus is a weird organ that just you know walks around the body it gets wanderlust <laughs> every now and then it's like aaj hum dimag mein jayenge and that's why women get headaches aaj hum dil mein jayenge that's why women get uh, anxiety everything was blamed on the uterus everything was blamed on the uterus did you know that 40% of all pregnancies are unplanned soch mein pad gaye Bhatterin that's kind of the point of this podcast we want to make you think think about science think about the world and most importantly think about your body and to give you the correct answers and to make you laugh we bring on experts and today we have with us Dr Deepthi Dr. Deepthi or Dr. Wombastic as she's known on Instagram is a Goa based OBGYN and she makes great content about periods, sexual health, reproductive health, puberty, pregnancy and all of the questions you have always wanted to ask about your body especially in regards to fertility. Thank you so much. So when was the first time you went to a gynecologist? So I went to a gynecologist when I was in MBBS. Mhm. and i had this terrible uh, yeast infection and um, i was terrified of going because i knew they would assume that i was sexually active because i know how gynecologists think now having been in mbbs for so many years yeah uh, but then i had to go because i had to get you know myself sorted out because yeah. it was painful it was not a good experience yeah because i i could see them you know assuming things that weren't true which is sad but then that's how some of them are so did you um, get shamed in any way um there wasn't anything said but then you know there was the whole assumption and the atmosphere you, i mean you can tell when somebody is judging you right yeah you can tell yeah and there are these subtle questions that are not you know you know what i'm saying not necessary yeah there are not necessary at all yeah so um if somebody's never been to a gynecologist ever For example, I have never been to a gynecologist simply because my gynecologist is my mother. <laughs> <laughs> so if somebody's never been other than, you know, these barriers of course, what do you think they should keep in mind when they're going to the gynecologist for the first time? Is it meant to be a scary experience? What are the things they should care about? You know, as a gynecologist too and somebody who deals with a lot of young people. I think first of all, they should go in uh, and when they meet their gynecologist, the vibe should be right. you know you should trust your gynecologist because if you're going to keep things from your gynecologist there's no point in you going yeah you know might as well not go yeah right so you need to go to someone that you trust completely and you need to be completely truthful with them because you need to know that the questions they're asking you is not to shame you but to genuinely help you because i need to know if you're sexually active so that i can do a certain test or not do a certain test or have a certain diagnosis in mind so if you feel at all awkward or shamed or anything just change your gynecologist but don't you you don't have to stick to somebody that you're not comfortable with it's not going to help you in any way it's very funny you mentioned that because um that particular sexually active question it tends to <laughs> it tends to raise a lot of questions for a lot of people so people don't even ask you if you're sexually active they're like yeah. are you married like what does that mean <laughs> i've had patients who've been married for like 3 years and are not sexually active hello it's it's not like you know if you're married you're sexually active I, i wish people would just ask what they mean to ask you know so i find that quite interesting because um working in where i work in allahabad and uh, doing medical school in meerut you know i've gone i've grown up in a very 
conservative part of the country and i know for a fact if i asked anybody are you sexually active chappal leke marenge mujhe wahin pe not just them but their relatives will get very cross with me you know if i ask an unmarried woman are you sexually active she will feel like i'm attacking her in some way so i feel like for a lot of us it's a very difficult balance to strike like how do you figure out ki inse sexually active puchna hai ki married puchna hai because then automatically you're stereotyping people you know if they look a certain way you'll be like oh i'll ask her if she's married or if she looks a certain way i'll ask her if she's sexually active if she speaks a certain way which is very classist <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's a very fine line but i tend to stick to Are you sexually active? And like the feeling awkward with their relative there, I tend to ask the relative to leave. Yeah, and I I make it more one on one, and then I ask them because there's this thing in India of everybody coming with their mothers and then <laughs> or their uh, you know some relative yeah. and and then they they are not completely honest with you. But then you have to ask that question, Tanya, because if you don't, then you're going to miss certain things, you know, yeah. which you don't want to. So it's a question we have to ask. So don't take it personally. Is all I can say. <laughs> you want to talk a little bit about. why it's important to ask that question why is it so important that we do know somebody's sexual history before we go in for a gynecological even just like a healthcare consultation the infections that you can have vaginally not all vaginal infections are sexually transmitted so if someone tells me for a fact that they're not sexually active there are certain things that i can rule out completely and there are certain things i can diagnose her with if someone tells me that they've missed their period and they're not sexually active then it's a completely different scenario yeah if they're sexually active i don't want to do a pregnancy test behind somebody's back i mean it's a violation of somebody's rights yeah yeah no but i i know the kind of but at the same time if you miss something get, yeah the <laughs> yeah. kind of jhap you'd get from your professors if you miss that yeah and, the, and you say are any patient ne to ye bola tha they'll be like oh it's happened it's happened and you've had patients with something like an ectopic pregnancy which is outside the uterus and then you know that's a life threatening condition yeah. and and as a doctor that's something that you can't miss and unfortunately i mean this is really sad but in so many cases of sexual assault people young people don't know they've been assaulted they don't know what's happened and they end up pregnant there, there's no way you can ask them are you sexually active if they're a very young person and then suddenly you find out they're pregnant there's so much nuance in this question and i know why people get angry about it but i also feel like there's also so much context to why we phrase it the way we phrase it very true so this is why i keep saying that the change has to come right from parents you know if they if oh, they yeah. start talking to their kids with the proper terminology with the proper language you know you have to prime your kids and tell them certain things about being sexually assaulted no one's supposed to touch you there you're not supposed to touch somebody o- over there nobody's supposed to show you you know there are a set of questions yeah even simple things like don't let anybody take pictures of you don't let anybody show you naked pictures things that you don't think of but i think every parent needs to be educated on this so that they can pass this on to their children and then at least that awareness is there because i have so many patients who come to me at the age of 30 and you know they have something like vaginismus and then you probe 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 and they're like oh my god i was sexually assaulted and i didn't even know it until this moment sad actually since you did mention vaginismus i do want to talk a little bit about that because most of us don't quite know what it is you know i went through most of medical school not knowing what it is and then i saw some tv show and i was like ye kya hai ye to bada interesting lag raha hai you know because somebody had compared the vagina to a venus flytrap <laughs> <laughs> and it made my whole day so i went and read about it and then i learned more and more about it so for people who don't know what is vaginismus from a gynecological perspective so there are these muscles in your pelvis that you can't see 
Now, if I tell you to flex your biceps, I'll be able to see that you're flexing <laughs> your biceps. But if there are these muscles around the vagina that are really strong, that are surprisingly strong, and they can shut your vagina like a trap door, you know, like just like, <laughs> like completely, like just <laughs> shut, and nothing you do can can force that door open. And a lot of times, this is very subconscious, like the woman doesn't even know that she's doing it, you know. So that's what vaginismus is, where. Um, Putting anything into the vagina seems impossible. Even a tampon, a finger, a penis. So, I mean, most of the time, like I said, they don't even know that they're doing it. It just happens, you know. Involuntary, completely. Involuntary, yeah. So, um, what sort of treatment options can can people with vaginismus ever have children? Because you know, certain degree of penetration had, is involved. I had this beautiful success story where somebody came to me with vaginismus and she hadn't consummated a marriage. And we worked through it. So, you know, you rule out all the other things like a thicker than usual hymen and infection. And then you you get to the root of the vaginismus and you, you help them relax those muscles, train those muscles. There's a whole process to it. She not only got pregnant, but she had a vaginal delivery, Ayyoh. which was amazing. And she was she was so happy. I was so happy. It was just like, it was the best. It was I the best feeling. It. Yeah. You know, it's, it's stuff like this that makes me get out of bed in the morning. For sure, yeah, yeah. Genuinely, it makes your whole like you will recount this story for the next thirty years, and yeah. it will be that you know that motivational force in your life. It's so wonderful. This is one of the jewels in my crown. I'm telling you, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Wonderful. So, since we're talking about putting things in things, <laughs> one thing that a lot of people don't know that you're supposed to put in there once you're sexually active is a speculum because a pap smear is quite important. Unfortunately, and even I lack in this, I've never talked about a pap smear on my uh, page. And, you know, I feel like we don't do enough to raise awareness about the importance of pap smears. Been Before I say pap smear for the 50th time in the same sentence, I'm going to ask you, <laughs> what is a pap smear? So, um... Cervical cancer is one of the cancers that we know what causes it. 99% of cervical cancers are caused by this virus called HPV. Now, most of us, when we start getting sexually active, are going to get HPV. It doesn't matter if you're in a monogamous relationship. It doesn't matter if you have multiple partners. Wonderful point. Thank you. Yeah, so most people will get HPV, like about, I think, 80% of us. But also most of us will clear it with our own immunity. Now, it's very difficult to predict who's going to clear it, who's not going to clear it. And for those of us who don't clear it, it kind of integrates into our cells, just like HIV does. And it starts causing changes in the DNA around the cervical cells and it causes cancer. Now, the good, I mean, the silver lining in all of this is it doesn't cause cancer right away. It causes cancer over a period of 10 to 15 years. And in that time, you have like precancerous changes. So if you do pap smears every couple of years, which is where you take a little brush, uh, you put in a speculum into the vagina, which is to open up. It's a, it's a little instrument to open up the vagina. Then you it's take like a, a duckbill. <laughs> yeah, it looks exactly like that. Yeah. Then you take a brush, you brush some cells of the cervix, just like you would do a DNA test, you know, brush some cells of your cheek and send it for a genetic test. It's the same thing. It's completely painless because these cells are already dead and they're just being brushed off. And you send it to the lab and then we pick up changes, precancerous changes, and we treat it before you ever get to cancer. I mean, this is, if you lived in the UK, you'd get an invitation, right? Every yeah. couple of years from the NHS saying, yeah. please come for your pap smear, please come for But here, somehow HPV seems to be linked to promiscuity. Promiscuity, more than, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a stupid association and it's preventing people from getting the healthcare that they need. 
I remember reading this in my gynae textbook that the risk factors for cervical cancer and one of the things was sexual promiscuity. <laughs> and I feel like it's 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 things like this that changed the, the things I feel passionate about. You know, it made me so angry. Yeah, very true. <laughs> and it made me so so angry, and it sort of became a defining. And, and when you attach shame to certain diagnoses, then nobody wants to talk about it. You know. Yeah. And then you feel you're, like you're the only person in the world who's ever had HPV because you think that nobody else has it because okay I'm so sexually promiscuous that <laughs> it's ridiculous you know do you, it takes away from the conversation absolutely and do you also um, feel that I personally feel this a lot that women's healthcare issues tend to have more shame attached to it even if it's not sexual in nature the, you know if it's anything to do with women's health so often it will be attached to some sort of shame or some sort of stigma I mean the word hysterectomy comes from hysteria <laughs> so that's what you know people think if women complain about something they're probably exaggerating or they're not really feeling what they're feeling or they're you know they're emotionally labile or maybe it's their hormones you know women aren't taken seriously yeah I think there's a lot of good data on how um, physicians are less likely to recognize or pay notice to women's pains which I feel ties in very interestingly to your complaint during your pregnancy yeah it was um, crazy yeah. do you want to talk about that yeah so when I was pregnant uh, in my about my last month of pregnancy I started having this weird abdominal pain and it wouldn't go away and everybody told me you know they did a basic exam and they said you know maybe it's it's nothing it's probably in your head it's nothing much blah 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 I uh, went into labor, I had my epidural, the contractions went away, but I still had this persistent pain on my right side, which just was this weird burning pain that wouldn't go away. Nothing happened. I had my cesarean. After my cesarean, I kept having pain, pain, pain. For six weeks, I had pain. For six weeks, I had fever. And a gynecologist did that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, everybody told you, oh, you just had a seizure, maybe it's related to that. But it turns out I had appendicitis. It wasn't picked up. My appendix burst. It wasn't picked up my appendix formed an abscess and then one day I collapsed and that's when they picked it up and they did the surgery and it's funny because if you look at appendicular abscess on Wikipedia or on Google it is a disease seen in poverty in in people who have no access to healthcare you know it's a life-threatening condition and I could have been completely avoided and you know the funny thing is even as a doctor but I got completely convinced that they were right <laughs> and I was I was like a fuss pot, you know, <laughs> and I was just imagining all of this pain and I had no tolerance to pain. This is it was like gaslighting in a way. Medical gaslighting. Absolutely. And it happens so often with women, which I find really, really interesting, because if you go back to the word hysteria, hysteria means uterus. And, you know, hysteria is uterus ka problem. <laughs> the idea with hysteria was that for people who don't know about this is that the olden people in ye olden days used to think that the uterus is a weird organ that just, you know, Walks around the body. It gets wanderlust <laughs> every now and then. It's like, and that's why women get headaches. That's why women get anxiety. So, you know, everything was blamed on the uterus. Everything was blamed on the uterus. And it's so important that we talk about language and the role of language in healthcare and medicine because while doing research for my book, I learned that the vagina, the word vagina, it means a sheath, which means mm-hmm. it's just. A vessel to hold the mighty sword of the penis, <laughs> you know. We we given such a passive role, even in something in in our language, you know. It's so pervasive. And, I mean, forgive my language, but pussy is an insult, right? Yeah. And to have balls is like 
a show of strength where I mean, are really sensitive and can and a vagina can push out a three and a half kg baby and be absolutely fine. Yeah. I mean, they can take a pounding, they can take a beating, <laughs> and I'm not only talking about you know I'm talking about delivering a baby. <laughs> um, actually, since we're talking about delivering a baby, let's talk a little bit about how people do get pregnant because I feel like there's so many questions about how to get pregnant, how not to get pregnant. How does a pregnancy work? So during your menstrual cycle during any woman's menstrual cycle at around the 14th day if you have a 28 day cycle or if you count backwards 14 days from the first day of your period that's the day you ovulate so the day you ovulate is when your egg is released and then it waits around for about 24 to 48 hours for a sperm to Waiting come in for prince charming <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so if the sperm comes along about 5 days before you ovulate or one or two days after you ovulate that's when a pregnancy happens so that's how it happens usually and what can people do to make sure this doesn't happen if they want it and what can they do to make sure it does happen if they want it so if um, you do want a pregnancy to happen first of all you need to know when you ovulate so this depends on how long or short your cycle is so uh, the thing is not everybody's cycle is exactly the same mm-hmm. so you need to know how your cycle is but you remember that ovulation always happens exactly 14 days before the day you start menstruating okay so can you break it down for me that's a little complicated so let's say today is i don't know the first date of the month you know and let's hypothetically say this is march today is the first of march uh, which means february has 28 days so how do i calculate this so um if today is the first of march mm-hmm. then you have and your period comes today mm-hmm. that means you've ovulated exactly 14 days ago okay so that would be the 14th of february Ooh. Wow! Yeah, <laughs> that's why so many babies are born <laughs> on Children's Day. I mean, that's a running joke between obstetricians everywhere. But yeah, <laughs> you see why I chose that date. <laughs> um, so, like you know, when people do get pregnant, there is so many pieces of advice, maybe mostly useless pieces of advice that are thrown at people. कि ये नहीं खाना वो नहीं खाना यहाँ नहीं जाना ये नहीं करना नहाना नहीं है इतने बजे से इतने बजे के बीच में सर पे इस एंगल से पानी नहीं पड़ना चाहिए धूप इस एंगल से तुम्हारे मुंह पे नहीं पड़ना चाहिए आई विश पीपल वुड रियलाइज दैट प्रेगनेंसी इज अ कम्प्लीटली नेचुरल थिंग एंड इट्स जस्ट लाइक अ फिजियोलॉजिकल फिनोमिना इट्स नॉट अ फ्रिकिंग डिजीज थैंक यू टू लाइक ले इन बेड बी केयरफुल अनलेस यू हैव अ कॉम्प्लिकेशन ऑफ कोर्स so most pregnancies you can just be yourself just do what you would normally do of course there are certain things that you don't eat which are like green yeah. papaya which can cause uterine contractions but then now it's suddenly applied to papaya everywhere and <laughs> uh, sushi we love to eat sushi yeah so certain fish you need to avoid in pregnancy because uh, they have they are high in mercury content and you don't want to be eating anything raw and getting sick you know also raw eggs yeah you know you can have salmonella in them one yeah. thing people don't realize is mayonnaise mayonnaise is made from raw eggs sunny side up as well you know oh yeah yeah because oh, it's, it's it's raw so and actually that uh, makes me think about food cravings you know because food cravings are so weird so many times as the first sign people I mean you know if your cycles are irregular and so food aversions oh yeah yeah so suddenly, suddenly i couldn't eat pork anymore and i'm like go and i'm like okay this is definitely my husband's child because he's from karnataka and he hates pork so i'm like you know this this is this is weird this is just very weird 
<laughs> and like why do cravings happen i think uh, the body recognizes that it lacks in certain nutrients maybe sometimes and that's why you have these strong food cravings there's also something called pika that mm-hmm. you might have heard of that uh, you know when you're deficient in certain things like iron then you have these cravings for these weird things like when you like to eat the walls ice. quite literally also yeah. <laughs> yeah ice yeah yeah so it's just your body way of kind of telling you that you know you need certain things so people who like to eat walls we say that and i'm not saying this as an exaggeration people some people literally want to eat the wall yes, because the they're deficient in yeah. calcium yeah 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 <laughs> for a lot of people especially those who have irregular cycles the first sign of them knowing that they have a pregnancy is you know weird food cravings or things like that especially how it was shown in the tv are achar chahiye are khushkhabri aayi this happened to me at my brother in law's <laughs> wedding i'm like quietly roaming around two months pregnant very smug that nobody knows and then i pick up a piece of pickle and everyone just turns <laughs> and looks at me and goes aha <laughs> there's something you're not telling us on internet <laughs> true story banda four <laughs> so it's so funny when did you take that pregnancy test how did you know how early did you know people hate me because i've never vomited once in my three pregnancies i've never had wow. nausea ever so i had a breeze my first trimesters but i was walking around in during rounds and i suddenly had to sit down like i had a little bout of giddiness and i'm like oh crap <laughs> pregnancy test please <laughs> so that's how i knew yeah but when is the right i mean you as a gynecologist of course that's the first thing in your mind but when should people who are not gynecologists how do they know when is the right time to take a pregnancy test so i think everybody should keep track of their cycles i think this is something you should tell all of your daughters just maintain a menstrual calendar now you now there you get these wonderful apps you yeah. know you don't even have to write it down in a diary like we used to tell our patients to do in the past and you should know when your cycle is coming you should know what your cycle is you should know how your body behaves so if you go over your cycle about a week i think that's a good time to do a pregnancy test because pregnancy tests are based on a hormone called beta hcg which is detected in the urine so if you try to do a test too early then the levels may be low and you might think that you're not pregnant when you really are and you know so it's just better to wait that one week so that you know it's more for certain it's so interesting that you mentioned the beta hcg thing because In the olden days people used to do the weirdest things to find out they're pregnant including peeing on frogs <laughs> um because then the frogs would make eggs and then you know you you could pee on a certain frog and keep it in the lab and see ah is manda ban raha hai ki nahi anda ban raha that means that person is pregnant or even peeing <laughs> on picturing somebody picturing somebody peeing on a frog very <laughs> weird your pregnancy test ribbit ribbit <laughs> <laughs> or even like peeing on barley or rye because then they would sprout yeah. or something like that it sounds really stupid to us right now because it sounds like one of those we live in a wonderful time people don't realize this we Thank live you. in an amazing time <laughs> people like to romanticize the past <laughs> yeah, but no. in the past there was no access to contraception there was no access to dental care there was no access to chashme there was no access to period products you had to sit and fold cloth and then wash it all the time i mean can you imagine what our grandmothers went through it's very interesting because um, there's some very cool data on how the birth of feminism coincided with the invention of the washing machine because isse pehle oh. aurton ke paas time nahi tha to care about feminism oh. kyunki kapda dhone mein itna din lagta tha <laughs> oh you know? that's interesting And also along a similar line we also do need to talk about contraception and how cool it is because 
there is so much data to show that after the invention of contraception more and more women were able to take charge of their life and get more educated and get into the workforce and world development is linked to the advent of contraception and sure, yeah. it's it's just so incredible that barely 50 saal pehle kuch nahi tha hamare paas yeah. itna reliable so many options the only so beef cool. with it is that you don't have any male options but yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm actually covering a lot of this in my book where we're talking about how it's been difficult to create um male contraceptives because, because men don't get pregnant also there's not much research into it because they they don't have the burden of the pregnancy as such very important point but also there is so much sperm so much <laughs> as we're speaking every second somebody makes 1500 sperm in while in in the while that i've said this sentence you know people who are listening to this may have made 10000 sperm you know that's a beautiful mental picture thank you so much for that <laughs> I duly apologize. <laughs> But you know, since we are talking about contraception for men, condoms are wonderful and condoms are so cool and condoms get a bad rep. But most of the failure of condoms, you know, as a contraceptive and as and for us is because people are using them wrong. How can you use a condom wrong? It's a chota sa to aise karna hai, inkoti to hai kya karna hai? First of all, don't buy an expired condom or don't keep a condom in your wallet like forever. That's so important <laughs> because you know, up until I started reading about all of this, I didn't even know condoms expire. Usme kono sa khana kharaab ho raha hai. Yeah, because you could get these little tiny holes in them, and remember that sperm are like very, very, very tiny, and they're microscopic, and they don't need much to get away. You know. Yeah. So another thing is, two is not better than one. Mm. Do not use two condoms. Okay, it is not going to help. It's going to make things worse. Also, don't you know? Start, stop, use the condom, get to the point of finishing, take the condom off, go again. Because there's pre cum that has sperm in it, and after you come and then you take off the condom, there may be sperm on the penis, and then you can get pregnant in that way. So that's another point. And also pinch the top before yes. rolling it down, because then that little air bubble remains, and then during thrusting that could cause the condom to rupture, and then that could also cause a pregnancy. See, there's so many ways, there's so many things, these little things nobody tells you about how to get pregnant or how not to get pregnant, and what. grates me the what rubs me the really wrong way is that we have so much good science and so much good evidence to you know say all of these things and very simple things yaar matlab pinch karke pehen lo or you know just buy a new condom take it off when the penis is still erect yeah there's such simple things one can do and yet nobody tells us but you know what people do tell you they'll tell you <laughs> thing like especially when i see instagram sometimes i'm just like kya bakwas kar rahe hain ye log there'll be such weird nonsense about you know this is how you should not get pregnant and you know if you i don't know if you eat this thing and then have sex immediately after you will not get pregnant <laughs> and that it doesn't work like that it's yeah. so infuriating yeah. what's your favorite instagram piece of bullshit information oh vaginal steaming for sure i hate it oh my god it's just a full pet peeve of mine what is vaginal steaming so vag- vaginal steaming is a a concept that is rooted in patriarchy first of all people don't realize this so it's marketed as a very feminine goddess kind of thing which is actually the complete opposite it's not women empowerment it it's it's basically where women take off their underpants and they sit over a kind of bowl that lets off steam 
you know, with some herbs and stuff in it. And it's supposed to be very good for your vaginal flora and your vaginal health and blah, blah, blah. Detoxifies your <laughs> dirty womb. <laughs> But you have to remember that this was all started in postpartum women as an attempt to tighten their vagina so that they could have better sex with their husbands. This is how all of this started. And second of all, your vagina is badass and it kind of cleans itself and it does not need you or a bowl of steam or a very expensive spa to clean it for you. <laughs> also, it could harm you, right? I mean, you could get yeah. burns. You could actually lose those healthy bacteria that live in your vagina and get an infection with vaginal steaming. So that's one thing that really grates me. Yeah, I really want to go up to these people and be like, Gyan mat pelo, yaar. This is not true. And this is huge celebrities that are endorsing yeah. this. This is, it's it's irresponsible. It is so irresponsible. And there's, there's so much subliminal messaging about detoxifying or cleaning the vagina. Like yoni pearls and, you know, yoni steaming and all of these yeah. things. And they take these things from Eastern cultures and co-opt it and bastardize it. <laughs> and, you know, there, there's so many things that are wrong with it. It is uh, fetishization of, you know, yeah. different cultures. It is, um, of course, you know, super patriarchal and misogynist. And so many things wrong with it. I'm so glad you brought this up. It's the responsibility of people who are making this sort of content that is... they have to be more careful about what they're saying and they have to make sure it's rooted in science and these celebrities are usually selling something oh, along with this concept you. so they're making money off of these these people whom they're conning so it's it's always a product or a program or a yeah. um join my whatever mailing list or all yeah. of those things i mean you're fixing something that's not broken yeah oh yeah, yeah. so important How did you end up on social media? How did that come about? So like I I said my whole experience being gaslit when I was pregnant and I realized if that could happen to me who's a freaking gynecologist if I could and who believe comes from a family of gynecologists. <laughs> yeah, if I could believe that my pain was not real, what is going to happen to other people, you know, who don't have a uh, certain knowledge of basic medical science, you know, who who will believe a doctor who will say okay if you say so, but no, I think you need to advocate for yourself and I wish I had done that. I wish I had just kind of stood up for myself and advocated for myself and said you know you have to believe me this is what i'm feeling and i'm not going to stop advocating for myself until you get to the bottom of this because that's your job as my doctor i love it i this has been one of my favorite conversations so far thank you so oh, much for joining so much. me thank you so much for having me i love angry women and angry women <laughs> are going to change the world <laughs> yes for sure thank you <laughs>